I'm an idiot. <laughs> Hello, God bless and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty. You're watching the God Logic Project, where we discuss a lot of topics uh, from a Christian worldview. Uh, today, we have a very interesting uh, topic, very important topic. This is something we did last year uh, outside, off campus, outside in the community. Uh, the problem is this year we have COVID, uh, so we were not be able to do we were not able to do a live event this year. So instead, we've got some local professionals in the recovery community in the studio. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, their their services they provide to the local recovery community, and most importantly, we're going to discuss uh, Narcan and how it's saving lives uh, all over the world, I guess. But certainly here in Pasco County, I get stories of Narcan saving lives all day, uh, every day. So. Uh, we're going to go around the table and introduce our local professionals. Our first professional of the day is Parnia. Parnia, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Parnia, and I'm with uh, ASAP. I am co-chair of the RX Opioid Committee as well as chair of the Cultural Competence Committee. That's important. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. And then we have, of course, a familiar face. She's been on the show a couple of times. Rachel, want to introduce yourself, Rachel? Hi, my name is Rachel Starriston. I am uh, with... Grace Recovery Homes. I am also the co-chair of the recovery committee for ASAP and lead development for the upcoming Pasco RCO. Okay, so you, you guys do an awful lot. Now, you're with ASAP. You're with uh, uh, Grace House and your recovery, epi your re RCO, correct? Yes. And then uh, <coughs> you're with ASAP. So tell us a little bit, Par Parnia. Are you sure you're saying that right? Because I think I'm saying it right. Parnia. Parnia. Okay, we'll go with yours. Uh, tell us what ASAP is and what it does. What does ASAP even stand for? Let's start. So here. ASAP is Alliance for Substance Addiction Prevention. Um, so we're a prevention coalition that work with other members of the community to prevent or minimize drug use within Pasco County. Okay, and and he certainly here, at least here in West Pasco County, but all over the country, all over Florida, that's a very big deal. Now within the COVID uh, crisis. My phone's ringing off the hook. It seems to be a bigger issue than before. Rach, tell us about uh, what you do at Grace House and, and any other things you're involved in. Um, Grace House is a, a women's faith-based transitional living house in Pasco. We have 13 beds. We opened right before COVID, so it's been quite an experience. It is a approximately a six-month program. Women come in. You know, they participate in church and Bible study. They also work a 12-step program. They have a church mentor they meet with. They take life skills classes, and um, it's quite structured. They have a lot going on. And you are affiliated with Trinity Church of Christ? Yes. Trinity Church of Christ provides uh, discipleship for Grace House as well. Uh, Trinity is working very hard to be an outreach church. Right, um, right, right. They they help anytime we need a building or we need help. Uh, they per In the last uh, Narcan outreach that we did it in Holiday, uh, they provided funding to feed 100 people lunches. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I know those folks, even though they're my technically my comp my church competition. Uh, they good folks. Jerry's been on the show, so they uh, they do a lot of good stuff over there. So it's uh, uh it's always a pleasure to uh, to. For me, I think it's so important. It's, I'm a pastor. You'd expect me to say this, but it's so important to fold in your faith. I think this whole uh, this whole recovery process is, is one of faith and conviction. So uh, you've got to have something besides yourself uh, to focus on, uh, especially early in the recovery process. So uh, we have an we have an issue. The country has an issue right now. All over the country, we have a problem with opioids. Uh, people have 
been affected directly by this to the millions, right? So uh, before we went on the air, we were discussing mutual friends. I had a family member six weeks ago overdosed. Uh, so it is, um, it is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. It's certainly at epidemic proportions right now. Uh, and it's gotten worse with the pandemic. So there is more, I think, uh, I've had more suicides and, and I've had more um, overdoses or people just what we call going back out. Like they had a year, they had a six months or they had a month or whatever. And now they're locked up in their house. Last place you want to put somebody in recovery is alone with their thoughts, especially early on. So they've gone back out. So now more than ever, it's important, I think, for people to understand uh, what opiates are and, and how uh, – and the effect it's having on the community. So if I go back to Parnia, can you explain uh, Can you explain to the folks what an opiate is, what it does? Yeah, so opioids, there's different kinds. So there's your prescription pain medications, which can be your um, oxycodones, hydrocodones, methadones, uh, fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid, which is hundreds of times more powerful than your prescription painkillers. And then you have your heroin, which is illegal and also very deadly. Right, and, and mixed in that, we're finding fentanyl. And so uh, my understanding is drug dealers are adding a little bit of fentanyl to make their product more appealing uh, on the street. And, and all it takes is one little grain of fentanyl to yeah. kill you. Yeah, if you can put one grain in and you got something, you put two in, you might have killed somebody. Mm -hmm. So uh, opiate, opiates uh, are essentially for the, for, for the common people are the painkillers. It's what mm -hmm. the doctor prescribes when you have a surgery or anything like that. So when you hear somebody's addicted to opiates, it's not just uh, it's not just a guy behind the Seven Eleven on US nineteen. It's, right. it's moms and dads and brothers and sisters. Uh, I've had uh, I, I'm shocked sometimes uh, the people that call me and, and who they're talking about. I know the people and, and I've known in my own personal experience as a contractor, a lot of contractors that had surgery started taking the, the painkillers, and uh, uh, I see them a year later. And, and they're trying to borrow some change for a pack of cigarettes. And this guy, you know, these are guys that used to make six figures. They've lost their house. They lost their kids. Their wife won't talk to them. Uh, so it is, uh, it is that serious. People are dying from this at astronomical rates. Yeah. The statistics are staggering. So, uh, so Rach, what then? What then is the is the medical solution? How do how what is Narcan and how do you apply it and how does it uh, particularly uh, save people from opiates particularly? And we have a video for you, but just unpack it a little for folks. Narcan is an opioid antagonist, and it's used to re reverse an overdose. Um, a lot of that has to do with the respiratory depression. I mean, you stop breathing. Uh, what, there's several forms of Narcan, but for our purposes and what we give out, it is um, a nasal spray. It's a one-time, put it in somebody's nose, you push the plunger all the way in, um, you wait three minutes if they need more. Unfortunately, right now, the drugs going around are so strong, it's taking on average three to four doses to reverse an overdose. So, and that's, that really is the topic today. That's what we're here to talk about is, the, is, is A, the opiate uh, epidemic, and then uh, that Narcan is available. Now, there, Narcan is being made available more and more for free, and before we went on the air, we talked about some of the people that have that, that you've given it away to. Uh, so we need to uh, raise awareness. I think our goal here today is to raise awareness, A, for opiate addiction, that it's not just 
uh, it's not just a holiday problem, but it's a Trinity problem. It's a, it's a West Palm Beach problem. It's an Orlando problem. It's a Jacksonville problem. And it's also national. It's a very big problem. I, uh, uh, I've had surgeries and refused to take the opiates, the opioids, because in my, with my background, it's too much of a risk. I've stopped drinking from alcohol, by the way, several times. Uh, and I, would, a, would a Narcan save somebody who's, who, uh, stops breathing from alcohol or is it particularly because it blocks the receptors in the brain for opioids? Narcan only works for opioids. Right. So if you have taken some benzos like a Xanax or something, and that is what's caused you to not be able to breathe, it will not reverse that. Right. It only works for fentanyl, heroin, and opioid, like pain pills. And it's temporary. And we're going to see that in the video, but you could also, uh, if you, if you, if you're lucky enough to bring somebody back from an opioid uh, overdose with Narcan, got what 30 or 40 minutes before it wears off and they can go back into overdose mm -hmm. correct yes it's really important that you call 911 or your local paramedics and get to a hospital and get treatment sadly a lot of people don't do that and they're they're afraid you know uh, they're on probation or they're afraid that law enforcement's going to arrest them and that is they just passed the law they changed it if you were on probation and you overdose or you were on probation you are with somebody who overdoses and you call the police, they will not arrest you. Right. It's not. It's no longer a violation of probation right. to be to be involved in that or to. You don't uh, have to it, die. It's part of what's right. called, and it's in this slide presentation, but it's part of what's called the Good Samaritan Act. Right. So Florida has. Uh, you got to hand it to them. I'm not a big fan of government, but Florida's government, both locally and statewide, uh, is hitting this opioid epidemic thing head on. They're doing some real bold things. And, and of course, the pharmaceutical companies are as well making this stuff available. Mm -hmm. And then you guys being out there in the community, uh, making sure that that the right people have this. So before we go, before we go to the video, who should have Narcan on them? I mean, everyone essentially, but the most important are going to be your law enforcement officers, your doctors, pharmacists. Um, who else, Rachel? I think the most important people are the people who are actively using. If you use opioids or heroin, no judgment. You need to mm -hmm. call somebody and get some. Um, if you are a family member of somebody who actively uses, you know, I, I get calls from moms all the time that their kids are home. They're, they're afraid they're going to die in their house. Um, if you have a spouse or even if you're parents, I, I've been giving it out to some teens who are worried about their parents as well. Yeah, so if you have a family, and again, it goes it goes back to it should be everybody has this. So right. it's not just, again, for people in, in rough areas uh, or for doctors and, and, and professionals. Seventy percent of the people whose lives are saved from Narcan are, ha, have had it administered by a layperson. So it's it, it goes to uh, I keep it in the car. I keep it in the studio. Uh, I have it in, you know, in the house because of the neighborhood that I in the right. population that I deal with. Uh, but the uh, uh, if you have a family member and 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 it's there's no judgment and that's the key. Mm -hmm. If you're if you have a spouse or husband, uh, a wife or husband that is that is taking pain medication, it may not be a terrible idea to have it. Uh, if you have a uh, if you have kids, teenagers in their twenties, thirties, uh, they're going to be exposed to to the drug world, whether you whether you live in Trinity or you live in Holiday. Does that make sense? So it's important that I think that we that people understand that everybody have access to this. Mm -hmm. And we don't really have an excuse because we're giving it away for free. Uh, on that note, guys, if there's anything the God Logic Project can do for you, 
be it addiction or, or any kind of debilitating obsession that's keeping you from God's best in your life, please feel free to email me, godlogicproject at gmail.com. Uh, I have resources. I'm, I'm plugged into the recovery community and obviously the church community. I have resources all around the state and outside the state. Uh, if I can't provide some help for you, I'll find somebody that can. Uh, it's kind of the point of the God Logic Project. I thank you guys, of course, always for supporting the ministry, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and um, and all the financial financial support that's come in and helps to keep this thing going. Um, so we have a video now of uh, it's basically a PowerPoint slide presentation we're going to show. I'll put it on the screen now. So it is uh, uh, it is a it's about 11 minutes long, and it's it's a retired Pasco County Sheriff Art Rowland, my buddy. Give it uh, up for Art. Woo! Yay, Art. That was that was lame. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, so it, he is narrating uh, the slide presentation, and and the, uh, so that will be Officer Retired Deputy Sergeant or something like that, Lieutenant. Sergeant. I don't know what he was. Uh, I, I barely know the guy. We just lived together. So, <laughs> uh, so it is. Uh, uh, this is this is kind of an overview of what you can expect from in the opioid uh, process in the Narcan process. This is brought to you, by the way, by Pasco ASAP, Trinity Church of Christ, and Grace uh, Recovery uh, Centers, which is which is the recovery houses, Christ-based, Christ-centered recovery house, faith-centered recovery house uh, for women here in Newport, Ritchie. Here's the video. Today we're going to talk about the use of naloxone, which is the generic name for Narcan. Like I said, this presentation is for informational purposes only. If you have any questions about any of the content, either medical or legal, contact a medical professional or a lawyer. Um, I am neither. What we're going to do is first is recognize and respond to an opiate overdose. Some of the signs of an opiate overdose are unresponsiveness, pale blue skin lips, um, cyanotic, um, a slow heartbeat, slower regular breathing, um, gastrointestinal issues, or they may even be passed out, and then pinpoint pupils. First thing to do is treating an, op an opiate overdose or any type of overdose is call 911, um, get the emergency medical system responding, um, check for responsiveness, Shake and shout, um, do a sternum rub. Um, if no response, um, administer the Narcan. Um, monitor the person, and then if you need to, start CPR or, and or rescue breathing. If you haven't done so al already, I suggest that you take a CPR course and then place in the recovery position, which we'll go over in a few minutes. To check responsiveness, um, you lay the person on their back, make sure they have a clear air passage, uh, make a fist with your hand and and then press on your sternum of uh, the unresponsive person. If no response, move on to the next step. If you do it on yourself, it does hurt. If you do it on somebody else, it hurts worse. Um, administer the Narcan, which is the brand name for naloxone. Um, each each box comes with two um, two doses. You spray the whole dose into the nostril, um, support the breathing, and in two or three minutes they should come around. Um, if, if not, do a second dose. 
discuss the recovery position, tilt them on their side, one hand supports their head, the knee prevents them from rolling on their stomach. You do this that way in case they vomit, they won't aspirate any of the vomit into their lungs and cause more issues. Some of the myths of an opiate overdose is let the, or the reverse an opiate overdose is let the person sleep it off. Um, it goes the same, same with the alcohol overdose. They may not wake up. I'm putting the person in the shower or give them a cold shower or bath. That's not going to work either. Um, induced vomiting, that could create more problems than it's, it helps. It, they aspirate the vomit, um, have trouble breathing. Give them coffee or water, that doesn't dilute anything. Um, try beating them up, that doesn't work. Um, and then I've never seen this, but inject them with other substances, salt water, stimulants, milk, etc. I've never seen that done to somebody. What the opiates do is they attach themselves to receptors in the brain, which then causes the heart problems, loss of um, heartbeat, breathing problems, and the opiates fit into the receptors in the brain. What Narcan or Naloxone does is come in and knocks the opiates off the receptors and allows the brain to start functioning again. Um, this is only for a limited amount of time. You still need to call EMS and get them on the way. What naloxone does, it restores breathing and consciousness. Um, the onset is within two to three minutes, and the duration lasts from 30 to 90 minutes. Um, I have used Narcan on somebody at about a minute and a half. Um, they came around. I gave them the, the Narcan. I um, did a sternum rub, minute, minute and a half. They start, come back to life with a startled look on their face. Um, after the Narcan wears off, they will overdose again. You have to get them into the hospital, get EMS involved, and get them into medical care. Like I said before, the, the box of Narcan comes with two doses. Um, you have the nozzle and the plunger on the dose. Insert that up. Uh, one of the nostrils, if one's clearer than the other, use the clear nostril. I'll push the plunger all the way in. It delivers the whole dose. On the Loxone itself, has a two-year shelf life. Keeps out of direct sunlight. And it can be stored in temperatures, even normal for Florida. I keep one in my car. I keep one on my motorcycle. So it, it should have no problems. The side effects in the lot of naloxone or Narcan is you can't overdose on it. Um, if they, if they you give it to them and they don't have an opiate problem or it wasn't an opiate overdose, but some other problem, you're not going to overdose them on the Narcan. The withdrawal symptoms, fatigue, um, loss of bowel or bladder function, fever, sweating, upset stomach or vomiting, confusion, disorientation, increased heart rate or breathing, aches and pains, some of these may be severe, but the alternative is worse. Um, at least they're still alive. Um, Narcan facts versus myths. Um, naloxone does not send the wrong message. If you have a fire, you have a fire extinguisher, you drive a car, you take a seatbelt, it doesn't encourage or increase drug use. I don't think anybody that's using drugs is, gonna, is thinking that, oh, if I overdose, they'll just give me Narcan. Um, it doesn't mess with that. Um, it doesn't cause violence. Um, I have never seen anybody that's overdosed come back want to fight. I have seen people that are drunk want to fight, but I have not seen somebody that's overdosed 
and been on an opiate wanting to fight. They're usually on the nod and they're not coherent about anything. And doesn't prevent people from going to treatment. In fact, that may even encourage people to go to treatment after they've been realized that they, you know, they almost did it. You know, they almost killed themselves. It may make them realize that they're hit rock bottom and they need to get some help. And then there's some YouTube sites you can go on. We're not going to go over those today, but um, information more on Narcan or how Narcan can help with opiate overdose. One of the things we do want to go over is the Good Samaritan Act and the Florida Naloxone Law. Um, the Good Samaritan Act is, gives you immunity from civil liability, dealing with overdoses and helping people. Um, the Naloxone Law is for um, pharmacists and stuff to be able to give blanket prescriptions to, to make the Narcan available. Um, I'm not gonna give you death by PowerPoint, so if you wanna do go over the statutes, I mean, go into Florida statutes and read the whole thing. <clears throat> um, the Good Samaritan Act encourages people to call for help during a life-saving emergency or threatening overdose. Um, a majority of the overdose situations, an individual, they don't call 911 or Mr. Narcan. 50% um, of the overdose cases, no one called 911. And the number one reason is fear of arrest or police involvement. If you call 911 and mention an overdose and that somebody's possibly dead, the police are going to show up. Um, even if you just ask for a rescue unit or an ambulance, the police are going to show up. That's 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 a given. What the Good Samaritan Act also does is protects the person who calls 911 and the overdose victim from being charged or prosecuted or penalized for the possession of the controlled substance that they overdosed on. Um, something new that in 2019, it also, you can't be violated for pre-trial release or you're on probation or other courts ordered sanction. Um, you can't be violated for seeking medical assistance for someone. Like I said, this is the statute. I'm not going to give you death by PowerPoint, but this is the new edition from 2019 that you can't be penalized for pre-trial release, probation, or parole if the evidence of sex violation was obtained as a result of the person seeking medical assistance. The Good Samaritan Act civil liability, I put in big letters, any person um, who calls for help can not be sued for civil liability. The Loxone law allows health practitioners to prescribe the Loxone or Narcan to anyone experiencing or witnessing an opiate-related overdose. Um, that allows them to do a blanket prescription like we have through ASAP or, or Grace House, where Nar Narcan is available to anyone who may need it. And then it also protects pharmacists from, from being sued for prescribing it. Emergency responders, law enforcement, paramedics, EMT, and laypersons in the community are authorized to possess, store, and administer Narcan to someone who they believe in good faith to be experiencing an opiate overdose. Laypersons includes the rest of us that aren't law enforcement, paramedics, or EMTs. Emergency treatment for overdose caregiver means any family member, friend, or person in position to have recurring contact with a person at risk of experiencing an overdose. Um, 
unfortunately in this day and time, it could be anybody or anywhere. And impatient means risk person experiencing overdose. Um, they're not going to be able to give Narcan to themselves. If they're overdosed, they're out. So it would be somebody that comes up on them. Um, the totality of the circumstances, you may be able to tell that they've overdosed. In the time that I used um, Narcan on the on the gentleman, um, I didn't see it at the time. But after we got through, the syringe, tourniquet, and the spoons were there laying all around him. He, him and his um, girlfriend, who didn't overdose, were in a motel room shooting up. There's several different types or names for naloxone, different companies. Narcan seems to be the one that's the most popular, and that's the internasal. Um, they, do, they do make a needle-type um, system, but that's not the one that most everybody uses. And the one that's written even in the statute is the internasal application delivery system, which most be properly labeled instructions for use. On the actual box itself, it has the instructions for use. And that is the end of this program. Nice. All right. So that is that is uh, Deputy Art Roland explaining to folks uh, what Narcan is, how it works, and uh, and uh, giving us basically uh, giving people an idea of what the process will be like. So one of the first things that uh, that one of the first things that I heard last year at the conference was. Uh, you may be encouraging people to take more chances with their with their drug of choice because they know their their uh, fr their buddy or maybe all, probably also using has Narcan with them, and and so if I go too far, they could bring me back. And that sounds like something people that aren't from the recovery community would say. In other words, uh, we don't uh, we don't have that we don't go into these episodes with that kind of plan. At least I never did. So it was just a matter of. Uh, of, of dismissing, I think we need to really dismiss the idea that if, if mom or dad or husband or wife or teachers or cab drivers or Uber drivers or anybody uh, has Narcan and administers Narcan, they're encouraging uh, the person to, to, uh, to just use more and, and to repeat the process. So, uh, Parney, have you heard that, that, that argument? And, and what do you say when people say that? Narcan saves lives, so it gives someone a second chance at a life. And like the video was saying, you know, usually after someone goes through this, they want to try and get that help. Um, so, yeah, I, Narcan does not encourage more drug use. And also it only lasts for a little while, and you still have to go to the hospital. You still have to get med medical attention. So it's not just you administer it, you're up, and you use again. It's no get-out-of-jail-free card, right. and, and certainly uh, – uh, when it comes to addiction, uh, there's no easy road out, right? If you walk, if it took you 10 years to walk into the woods, it's going to take you 10 years to get back out of the woods. Maybe quicker because this time you have a guide. Uh, you know, there's people in, re in the recovery community that can, can help and support and lead you through this process. Uh, Rach, the, have you heard that? And what have you said to folks that say that uh, you're just encouraging people to use? Well, the only thing that Narcan enables is the ability to breathe, for one. Um People are critical of that until it's a, a family member that they love. Um, and it is happening in every family. There's a whole generation of children in school. I don't think there's a public school you could walk in where there is not a child in each class that has lost a parent from an overdose. I would venture to say that's pretty accurate today. Um, 
Well, I, if if a person feels that way, I mean, let's say that that's true because it takes all types of people. Wouldn't that be considered suicidal? If somebody was suicidal, would we not treat them for their mental illness? It is the same thing. If somebody is using so much of something because they feel that they might be able to come back, what happens if it doesn't work? Yeah. I mean, there's no guarantee. So in my opinion, that would be a suicidal person. And we have a lot of laws to protect those people from themselves. So I, uh, that's how I feel about it. Well, the, and, and this Narcan stuff is available, right? It's naloxone uh, yes. is the actual name of it. We, everybody uses the, the kind of the, the uh, brand name uh, uh, Narcan, but the, uh, tell us a little bit about ASAP, how they're, what have they set up? What are they doing to get this stuff back out, uh, to get this stuff out in the community where it can actually be applied? It doesn't help if it's on a pharmacist's shelf. So what ASAP is doing, uh, the RX committee has partnered with Rachel, and we are working on a use only as directed campaign. And also, Rachel, we're working with Rachel to get Narcan out there, out in the community to people that need it. Uh, so that's what we've been doing on our end is, and just mainly posting it on you know social media how to use um, opioids as directed. You know, don't we have um, the flyers have have how to properly use opioids, what questions to ask your doctors, how do you know if you're addicted, how do you know if you ha- you're you at a risk of being addicted. Um, so we're really working in, you know, through social media and throughout the communities. So so then, uh, so then a place like ASAP is petitioning to get, what, hundreds or thousands of doses of this stuff? Uh, people are, who's providing it? The, is the state paying for it? Or the, is it being donated by the pharmaceutical companies? But ultimately, ASAP is getting, is getting, bulk doses of this and and uh, Rach tell us what you've been doing uh, how do they get it first of all how does how does ASAP get uh Grace applied for a grant through DCF and so um and we set up a pharmacy to deliver it and picked it up um we've met all the requirements to do that um this so UCF time. is paying for it? DCF. DCF. Department okay. of Children and Families. It's a grant through Department of Children and Families. It works with nonprofits, too. And then so nonprofits like yeah. ASAP or Grace Recovery yeah. is uh, is able to get hundreds of doses of this? Or thousands. Th- thousands of doses of this. And then so then you've got this stuff. You get it delivered by a pharmacy. You got it in the house there. What's the next step? How are you getting it out to the community? Well, we put a label on every single box. Um, my phone number is actually on every single box of Narcan that goes out that says, if you use this and need more, call this number. We will bring it to you. Um, there's been some social media campaigns about free Narcan. I, uh, I answer every phone call that comes into my phone, whether I know the number or not. I also get a lot of um, people reaching out on Messenger. They don't have phones. And they say, hey, we're here. Can you bring Narcan? So we've had some real boots-on-the-ground efforts that have taken place during coronavirus and worked with the sheriff's office to get the hot zones of where they're having concentrated overdoses in a specific area. And so we've networked the same way we do in business with people actively using, and they uh, we get them to invite us down to their area. We bring some food, you know, we bring lunches or and water and and we just we give it out and they don't have to have an id they don't have to tell us who they are 
they don't have to pay for anything. They don't, um, they don't need to say anything. Uh, and we're not giving out just one box. Somebody, people are afraid, you know, they're, they're afraid of law enforcement and stuff. And, and it's not law enforcement going, but somebody comes up and I said, how, I asked, how many friends do you have that are using that you could pass this out to? Five, 10. We give them that many boxes. Right. We ask them all to play their part. You know, we want to help, but we need them to help as well. And so, um, can I say this? We've had people come up, uh, drug dealers, sending people and saying, hey, we'll pass it out. I mean, it is totally not my job to stop all that. I mean, this is a multifaceted issue. It's going to have a multifaceted solution. But they're even handing that out to people. Our goal, our primary purpose is to keep people from dying. So we are becoming more effective in getting it into the hands of those most vulnerable who are most likely to overdose. Well, that's, uh, this is exactly uh, what needs to happen. So the, <clears throat> the goal isn't to cure drug addiction. The goal is to keep drug addicts alive enough that they can get help, that they can do the things that I've done in my life uh, to grow past their addictions, right? So uh, the, the ultimately, the closer we are to, uh, the closer the, the Narcan is to the user, the better, chance, the better chance of time to save this person's life. So I had a lady on the show uh, less than a year ago, and she had, uh, she had heard us do our Narcan uh, uh, podcast, and then she called me up and said, I saved my son's life with Narcan two months ago. Remember, she came to the last year's event and helped, helped us hand stuff out. So the, uh, this is not somebody that you would think. This is not a family that you traditionally would think would have a drug problem. These are successful, young, handsome, good-looking gym guys going to school, and with an opiate problem. So the idea is that everybody should have access to this, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's readily available. Now, Art went over during the, during the slide presentation, Art went over the Good Samaritan Law. Uh, can you explain a little bit, Parnia, uh, what, what that means? How does that protect the person administering the Narcan? So if you are using drugs and someone you're with overdoses, like Rachel said, people are often scared to call the police because they could get in trouble. The Good Samaritan Law protects you from that. So if someone overdoses and you have drugs on you and you call the police, you will not get arrested. You will not get in trouble. The EMS uh, will come and help the person that is overdosed. Right. So, uh, so the... The, the idea that you are in some kind of trouble if you if you do this, Rach, uh, there are laws on the books. Art went over them. They're, they're laws that protect. You have legal protection, uh, even if you're on probation or anything like that. If you, if you exercise the protections under the Good Samaritan Act and call 911 for your friend or loved one that's, that's overdosing and apply the Narcan to them, if you, hopefully you have it, and that's where we come in. Uh, they are protected legally from any prosecution rel re related to that instance, correct? Is that how it works? Yes, and people can call on themselves, too. I mean, when you're revived, you only have a, a 30 to 90-minute window before you could go back into an overdose, non-breathing situation. It's really important that people call and and get some emergency care services right. so this is a this is a temporary block of the brain uh receivers that 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 connect to the opioids this blocks that temporarily 30 to 90 minutes you could literally go back into overdose and uh and pass away 
So the, the idea is not just to apply the Narcan. The, the, the idea is the first thing you do is call 911, start that process. And now you bring up an interesting point. I never thought of it. During that window, the person that, that was revived, just say you're amongst people that won't call on your behalf, uh, you could literally walk down the street, call on yourself, and, uh, and, and still, still get the desired results and, and, uh, of having 911. 911 intervention is mandatory with Narcan. You're not going to take it and then you're home free. You've got a window of opportunity there, but if your friends are not going to take advantage of that opportunity, you need to do it yourself, and that's super important. What is, what is the uh, use only as directed? I heard you talk about use only as directed when you were speaking earlier, and I'm not super familiar with it. So explain to the audience, if, if you were to explain to somebody what that is uh, in a minute or two, just so everybody has an idea of what that is. So the RX Opioid Committee has, um, actually the use only as directed is based out of Utah. So the RX Opioid Committee has started making flyers, kind of like I said earlier. So it's really to educate people on how to use uh, prescription painkillers as directed. Um, and our flyers, we made flyers that have lists of questions to ask your doctor, because oftentimes, you know, we forget to ask these questions. So these flyers, you know, have guidelines of what you could ask your doctor about if you're being prescribed opioids. Um, and we're really working on getting the information out in the community, getting it, you know, to libraries, gas stations, social media, everywhere, just so people can, you know, see that information and next time they go to the doctor's office and also giving it to the doctor's office. So if they're prescribed opioids, they have these guidelines on, okay, this is what I need to do. So I'm not at risk for, you know, being addicted. Well, that's a, that's a good point. People that don't have, uh, at least my background, mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't think twice about taking a medication that the doctor gave them. Right. So now when they write me, we talked about a little bit off the air, I think. But right now they prescribe me pain pills. I would have to be in some serious pain. Right. And, and so I you can't I can't someone like me can't be trusted uh, with with any kind of painkiller or alcohol or anything like that. Now, that's me. That's people with my background. What about people that don't have that background? And they say, well, it's from the doctor. It must be safe. Uh, and th those people are particularly vulnerable, A, to the overdose, but more, uh, more, even more so than that, to the addiction that comes with, with, the, with uh, taking opio uh, opioids, particularly more than 10 days or five days. Now, it used to be that they, they were handing out pills like M&Ms. Now you get five, you get eight, you get 10 or whatever. Uh, but even then, uh, you, people, are, people that aren't familiar with the recovery community, with the addiction community, mm -hmm. Uh, aren't familiar with how dangerous these things are. So, uh, uh, and we're seeing that if we're not, uh, we're seeing that, are we not, Rachel, more and more now during the COVID thing? What has been your experience being kind of a, at, the, at the tip of the spear in the recovery community here in West Pasco County? What has been your experience since in the last 10 weeks with the COVID outbreak? I think that this has been very stressful. Recovery is a a face-to-face, in-person fellowship, regardless of what pathway of recovery you, you choose, or all of them. Um, I think people are really afraid. Something that I think uh, is worthy of being noted is the fact that uh, all this stimulus money came. $1,200 to some people who have lived in active addiction for years go $30 to $30, very hand-to-mouth. There's no extra money, you know, are we eating, are we smoking cigarettes today? 
and then you give people $1,200 that have never seen money like that. And there was no requirements to get that. And what happened? When that money started coming in, the overdoses skyrocketed. Yeah, and, um, and, and suicides as well. I'm getting, uh, as a pastor, uh, I, when I went into quarantine, I got busier. I didn't get slower. So in, in particular, I'll give you uh, the folks a particular example. I had a guy that I helped try to get into uh, treatment six months ago down south of south of Tampa, down by Fort Myers or whatever. I don't know where exactly he lived. A family member called me. Uh, I, I helped them through the process. Uh, he was he was uh, getting he was in recovery, going to meetings, picking up newcomers. Even though he himself was a newcomer, he had a car. Uh, he was back in the gym. He was he had all this dynamic, positive stuff, which is not necessarily the foundation of recovery, but it does help, and especially in the beginning. And here here's the problem like a light switch now he has to stay in his house no more gym no more work no more other recovering addicts everything's done over the internet over the zoom app uh he started using again and od'd uh this is a guy that had uh everything to live for so this is not the kind of story you expect to hear uh in in a rougher neighborhood or the inner city or or here in west pasco but this is a guy that uh he had every blessing in the world but he also had an addiction to opiates and and so to take to take somebody in recovery and say, stay at home by yourself and think, mm-hmm. right? The worst advice I ever got in recovery was think, think, think. I'm not qualified for that, right? So for me, it's it's think, think, drink. So I need to stay, and, and now I've got decades into it, and uh, so I have some tools, spiritual tools that I use constantly. But that is just a single example of what I'm seeing with folks that are uh, especially new in recovery or Perhaps they were faking it till they make it still, even if it's two years into it. And then all of a sudden it, uh, you know, there's nothing to fake, right? All the things that you were, all the crutches you had that were keeping you sober, helping to keep you sober until you ultimately turned your life over to recovery process. uh, That's all gone now. So I I find that the the last 10 weeks of this COVID outbreak has been devastating for the recovery community, devastating for anybody struggling with any debilitating obsession uh, I have, I've had a couple of suicides. You saw some of the texts we got before I got before we went on the air. Uh, these are people that were leaders in the recovery community uh, not long ago. So they are, uh, uh, the, I think this COVID thing has been, uh, has had a tremendous impact, impact on, on, on the recovery process. Now we can, we social distance, uh, but we've got to be very, very careful not to emotionally distance, right? So we need to stay plugged in. Uh, now the Zoom meetings are great. I've been to a few of them. But uh, uh, is there uh, is there mechanisms in place to reach out to people? Are uh, one of the shows I did here? We talked about old timers who traditionally don't reach out to newcomers, but are available when newcomers call. Right? If you're not going to make the phone call, at least make the phone call. You're probably not. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Uh, are there anything anything involved in? I know you guys are, are particularly involved in the recovery community. So what are you doing to? kind of keep tabs on your new folks. You run a, a recovery home, so you, you keep tabs on them every day, right? Oh, I live there right now, so yes. Um, you get a bunch of new women who, a lot of them aren't from the area. I don't know anybody up here, and they're brand new. And then you have to tell them they have to stay in the house and can't go anywhere. So awesome. Yeah. Um, and I, at the time, had a house full of introverts. I gave them a list. You know, I mean, the meeting before a meeting and the meeting after the meeting in a 12-step program is is quite important. You know, that's where you build those relationships in your recovery capital. So we just gathered lists of numbers. I mean, lists of 
old, new people in recovery, and the girls had to call and speak with ten different people, ten different women. This is a women's house. Every day, um, we set up meetings like outside. We were blessed to have like a big yard where we could practice some real strict social distancing, go through the sides. So we did have some of the meetings at very, you know, under ten people. Um, what else we do? Exercise. We, you know, just keeping people busy. Yeah, move a muscle, we, change a thought for we sure. Brought a treadmill, some art projects. Um, got them books to read. Rented more movies than normal. Like yeah. in a recovery house, TV's not normally a thing, but we were. Uh, they all got on a show at night, so it would be a one hour. I mean, you got to fill your time with something, and it. it we couldn't go anywhere at first, so. Um, well, the what we have is an opportunity, I think, for uh, uh, as strange as it sounds, for for the same people that we're saying should have, if they if they have even a tertiary relationship to. That's a college word, by the way. Should have learned that in your master's degree. Uh, if you even if you have a tertiary relationship with with somebody struggling with addiction or taking pain pills, period, uh, it's a good opportunity to check on them. It's a good those same people that we're saying should have the Narcan in their possession for free, easy to get. Uh, and I'll put some links to the uh, to, to how to get that in the description when we're done. But the those same people need to be checking on on people that are new in recovery. Certainly old timers should be checking on folks uh, instead of just answering the phone, maybe pick up the phone and, and reach out too. Because right now the whole goal is during this craziest year of my life, and I've had a long life, uh, uh, the most important thing in the recovery community right now is keeping people alive that they stand a chance to recover at all. So the uh, if you have a family member, if you have a, a co-workers, things like that, and you've, you've been lost touch with them and you know they had an addiction problem in their past, in, the back, in, in, their, in their background in the past, uh, maybe a good idea to text them, reach out to them, see how they're doing. If there's anything we can do, of course, you can start by emailing me at godlogicproject at gmail.com. I will then put you in, in touch with the people that, that can best provide the services for you guys. Uh, so, And we will make sure that the resources that, that will make a difference and save lives are always available. And believe me, now, uh, since I started this podcast, I know there's there's people hustling constantly all around the state uh, that are plugged into the God Logic Project that are that are uh, uh, able to provide the kind of services that you or your loved ones may need. If there's anything I can do for you, certainly reach out to me. GodLogicProject.gmail.com will get the ball rolling for you. Uh, there's uh, there's terms of resources that are available. Uh, we're we're getting the Narcan out into the community. Uh, we are running recovery houses. We're still hosting and doing online meetings and to a limited extent now in Florida. We're able to do in-person meetings. There is a there is a never-ending supply of, uh, of opportunity to recover from this. You just have to be able to plug into it. So uh, is, is there an email that they can reach you at, Parnia? Yeah, you can reach at the ASAP email. I believe it's ASAP at pascoasap.com. I will find, I will figure that out real quick. Okay, and then of course, Rach, yours. You put your information right on on the Narcan packages. But if they needed, uh, if they had a woman, a female family member, wanted to get into a faith based recovery house, uh, how would they contact you? Um, Rachel R A C H E L at Grace Recovery Homes with an S dot com. Okay, and and so then uh, they could also obviously I can contact yeah, you on their behalf and get you their yeah. information. Um, uh, it's Rachel Starrist, and I get 
more people reaching out through Messenger these days um, that don't necessarily have phone service. Also, if somebody needs assistance and it's not necessarily a fit for my home, we would be more than glad to help them. Yeah, we everybody kind of works together. Are. We know yeah. each other, and uh, everybody, it's not a competition. I joke around about my church being in competition with Jerry's church, but we're all pulling in the same direction. We're all serving the same kingdom. Uh, in this case, we're all serving the reto- recovery community. Uh, so there's no there's no uh, back and forth. There's no competition between between the services that you that you should ever have to worry about. And if there is, email me at godlogicprojects@gmail.com, and I'll blow them up on the podcast. Well, uh-huh. actually, most of the recovery houses, the people who run them, we've kind of all kept in touch through this. You know, how can we help each other? Yeah. Resources, or you know, this one drops off food to this house, or all of them came to get Narcan that needed it. Um, yep. If there's something that we're worried about, so um, we just want to see people stay alive and thrive, yeah. not just survive. Deputy Arts, always, where you going? I got to go run this to this house, and I got to pick this and get this over there, and. Uh, so there are people all over all over the county that are really trying to make a difference. Uh, uh, if you were, we're going to wrap it up now, Par- Parnia, and uh, if, if we were going to if we're going to take a second and, and just kind of somebody stops you on an elevator wants to know what you do, uh, what what would you tell them and, and how would what would you tell them to do to get involved if they needed help or if they just wanted to get involved and help, uh, how could they do that? So if you want to get involved, you can always reach us on our Facebook page, um, uh, ASAP Pasco, as well as our email is ASAP at PascoASAP.com. So you can always either reach out on, through Facebook or email us, and we will get back to you and give tell you how you can further get involved. All right, perfect. And I will uh, I will put links to all of this in the in the description, or one of us will, depending on who posted where, uh, so that they'll they'll be able to click on the link and get right to your Facebook page or right to my Facebook page or emails and stuff like that. But Rach, uh, uh, you're you're on an elevator with someone. You got two minutes to explain what you do and 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 how they can play a role in it. What do you tell them? The greatest area to get involved in would be uh, we're building a recovery community organization called an RCO. It it will hopefully be a brick and mortar building, but now it's like a one-stop shop for resources. There is recovery coach training, uh, all this Narcan that's been passed out that working through that, they do a lot of advocacy without advocacy, nothing changes. Um, try to help people get into some tangible services. Um, you can look it up on Facebook, Pasco County recovery community organization. Um, we were in the process before coronavirus of getting a name and all that stuff. And so the next two weeks, we will be starting that. They could uh, check out the dates and plug them into the meetings if they go on Facebook. Because uh, it kind of paused for a minute and everything's just getting rolling again. All right, excellent. So that is, uh, we're at about an hour. It worked out perfectly. I want to thank you guys certainly for watching. Uh, there's If uh, there, if there's any information you thought was lacking from here, uh, certainly Facebook is a very common way to reach all of us. We have God Logic Project on Facebook. We have ASAP on Facebook. We have uh, Grace Recovery Homes on on Facebook. Uh, we will be there to help you through this process. This is this is the whole reason we we do the things we do. It was a pleasure having you, ladies. Thank you for being in here today. It's nice this year we have air conditioning, unlike last very year. Nice. Yes. And uh, <laughs> maybe next year we can meet in public like we did last year and and, and actually ha- hold an event and hand it out there and. Uh, uh, the the new normal, if that's what this is, is is going to take a little getting used to. It's going to take a little. Uh, uh, it's going to take a little adaptation. Things that certainly uh, 
recovery people like me, people on this end of the recovery process aren't real good with change. So uh, uh, you have some parting thoughts, Rach? I do. If anybody is aware of an area that they know people that are actively using and could you benefit from Narcan, please reach out to me because we're always looking for somebody to help us navigate those areas. People trust people they know. Um, we're looking for areas in Hudson to be able to go. Um, we're looking for areas in Moon Lake. We're also looking for somebody over by like Green Key. Um, it's no questions asked. It's completely free. We'll bring food. Uh, tell us what you need, and we'll come for an afternoon and try to help you out. Also, it's important to note that if we come out to an area and we're trying to help those people, nobody is preaching about rehab to them. This is strictly harm reduction. They know we're here when we're, they're ready. There is no judgment. Um, nobody's going to try to change what they're doing. If that's what they want to do, we just want to keep them alive and as safe as possible. Yeah, and and that is that is folks, you just heard that directly from the heart. And I think she spoke for all of us in the recovery community, uh, the way she said that, that we are, uh, we've been where you are. Uh, these opportunities are available and, and, and the opportunity to save a life that maybe there is recovery in that person's future down the road uh, is the key. So what you don't understand is we in the recovery community uh, are not bored, right? We stay very, very busy. The harvest is plenty and the workers are few. So there, it is not like we spend any time, or I don't know about you guys, I don't spend any time at all uh, walking up and down US-19 trying to find a drunk or a drug addict that I might be able to save. But it, when somebody calls me, when, when, when they need, uh, when they have a family member or they themselves need help, uh, we in the recovery community tend to stop what we're doing and make sure that that help is there because 30 years ago, somebody helped me uh, when I wasn't worth helping. So, uh, uh, this is, this is very real. And I appreciate you guys for being here. That's our show for today, or that's this episode, Narcan special. If no one's told they love you today. God loves you. So do I receive that be blessed. And we'll speak soon. Thank you.